Hashem wants us to succeed. Hashem wants us to choose life. And Rashi will show us how that's not just simply saying choose life. but He's actually showing us exactly where we need to go and what we need to do. And that's all at the end of the parish in Siyum HaSedra, where state, the Pasuk tells us, paraphrases Hashem, saying, I've placed before you both life and the opposite, and you should choose life in order that you and your descendants should all live. So, Rashi quotes those two words, that you should choose life. And he says three things about it. What should be a very simple expression, choose life. Allah, firstly, he says, when it says choose life, it means, Hashem says, I'm showing you that you should choose the portion of life. Then he says, secondly, it's like a parable of a person who said to his child, Choose the good portion out of the inheritance. And then, then the father shows him what that better portion is. And tells him, that's what you should choose for yourself. And then in case the parable isn't enough, Gimel, he brings he brings a, a Pasuk that, that illustrates this point, a Pasuk we're familiar with from Tilin, which says, um, this Rashi says this is what the Pasuk means when it says Hashem that Eibeshter is my portion you support my lot Rashi explains you literally placed my hand on a good portion as if to tell me you take it for yourself so is clearly Rashi believes something that has various components to it and needs to be explained, and it's about being shown what to do, literally led by the hand and say, this is what you should take. So we need to understand. What about those words, choose life, is so difficult. That Rashi has to even engage with an explanation at all. And then to go into an explanation that has so much detail, Why? Surely the meaning of the word choose life is ganz einfach. It, it's really simple, really clear. And as many of the other commentators who focus on the simplest explanation of the Pasuk say, that the Ebeshter is telling us as good advice that we should choose life. And how do we do so? Through loving Hashem and listening to what Hashem says. It's good advice. Why does Rashi have to complicate things? So we need to know what about the words of Chart of don't make sense that Rashi had to explain. Here's our first stab at it. A simple study of the Pasuk will indicate that Rashi wants to clarify that those words choose life is Nitan Onzag. It's not an instruction. And not only that, it's not even other etzatov like the other Pashtani Amikra say, that it should be good advice. It's a that you should. I'm telling you, listen to me, choose life. First of all, this hot cannot need to onzogen of It's completely illogical to have a, an instruction, thou shalt choose life. Because either way you look at it, it doesn't make sense. If we're completely unaware of the fact that that choice is the choice of life, 
Then just clarify for me that that is the way to life. And obviously I'm going to go there. You don't have to tell me to do it. Just clarify that that's the source of life. And if that's the case, you don't need the instruction. Yet on the other hand, er is nit ibegezeigt. Uh, and if you're not clear about the fact that that's the path to life, then how does it help to make a, an instruction choose life? If I don't know what life looks like, if I don't know where I'm supposed to go, how does it help to instruct me to do it? If I don't know that that is life, scream till you blew in the face that I should choose life, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. So rather, what Rashi wants us to know is, As Rashi says, the, the concept over here is that Hashem saying, I'm showing you. The fact that the next words are an instruction to us that we should love Hashem and listen to what He says. That's showing us how to choose the path of life. And that tells us, well, dos is chaim, that that is life. To love Hashem and observe the mitzvahs, that is life. Because the reality is that through the human experience, you don't always see the direct correlation between doing a mitzvah and following what Hashem wants and getting life. Or has from the opposite. So therefore, government Therefore, he has to show us which is the way, which is the path to real life. As the Pasuk says later on, you should do all these things and listen to the Torah, etc. because it is your life. So that's what Rashi is telling us. It's not an instruction. It's not even good advice. It's showing us where life lives because obviously naturally then we would want to go there. On Avdem brings Rashi to illustrate that Rashi has to firstly give us Aleph Amoshel. He gives us a parable. Like the father says to his son, choose this portion because it's really good. Where in that moshal, the father is not satisfied just to say, choose a good portion. But he takes and then he stands and then he says, this is it. This is what I intend for you to choose. And then over and above that, base Araya von Aposuk, he brings a proof from a Pasuk as the Ibishes Mamid Idin al Khilakayofa, where the Pasuk shows us that Hashem does for us exactly what that father did for his son, takes us to and sort of stands us in front of the good portion and says, This is what you should take. And that's how Rashi explains the Pasuk. You literally placed my hand on the good portion, as if to tell me that's what you should choose. Okay, so we get it. Rashi's big chiddush over here is that it's not an instruction to choose life. It's not even good advice to choose life. It's showing us where the choice of life is, where it lies, what you've got to do. So that's great, but we still don't know why Rashi had to add so much detail and information. Let's unpack what all the questions are about the details and information. Now, first of all, who needs a parable? Like a father who says to his son that this is the great portion, you should choose it. 
You could actually skip straight to what the parable represents and it would be self, it would be clear, it would be understood. Remember, the purpose of a marshal is always to explain something I wouldn't know otherwise. Well, I would be able to extrapolate it without the marshal. Just say simply, Hashem took us to and showed us where the best option and the best portion lies. In fact, the nimshal, what the parable is supposed to represent, is actually easier to understand than the parable itself. Because, what the parable translates into is that we should choose to follow Torah Mitzvahs because that's the path to life. It makes absolute sense that we need Hashem to show us this is the place of life. That is the best play, the best choice that you could possibly choose. Because Vibald, as in Dan because very often what happens in human experiences, as Derek as the Pasuk says, sometimes it appears that the path of those who are who behave in contrast to Torah, they succeed. The tzaddikim are the people who battle in this world and often have pain in this world. So therefore we need the Ebeshet to tell us that's how things are in the here and now, but in the long run, the Rishoyim will be pushed aside and the tzaddikim will rejoice. So I need Hashem to show me because it's not so obvious. But in the parable, which is about a father showing his son out of the inheritance, out of the estate, what's the most valuable physical thing? It's far easier to be able to work out what's nice and not so nice, valuable, not so valuable. You don't really need the father to take him by the hand and show him, okay, now this is what you should choose. So it's strange that Rashi should bring a marshal where actually what the marshal represents is easier to understand than the marshal itself. Second of all, base. In addition to how in the marshal the father takes the son and kind of stands him in front of the valuable assets, then Rashi says it's not good enough just that he shows him, but he says to him, this is what you should choose. Which implies, that means that after he's firstly, as a father, advised him, choose the most precious assets. Then shown him what those assets are. Still, you still got to do more than that. And spell it out verbally and say, this is what you should take. That doesn't make sense, isn't it? Move on. Firstly, simply, why do you have to say it? You've already shown him. Remember, a parable always has to align with whatever it's there to describe, which in this case is the Pasuk of Uvocharta Bachayim. Where do you see in Ovacharta Bechayim that there's this additional layer of showing us and telling us that this is what is the best choice, the best option for us? Another question, Gimel, the Siyam from Rashi. After the Moshal, when Rashi goes to the Pasuk from Tinim, the Pasuk indicates that Hashem literally placed our hand and said, yeah, this is the good portion. The first of So what's Rashi doing over here? Saying, and this is what it means. A Pirushan Pasuk de Tilim is explaining a Pasuk from Tehillim. He doesn't use an expression like as it says, which would indicate that the Pasuk 
proves our point. He says, which almost sounds like our point, explains the Pasuk. If he had said, something like that, then the Pasuk would have been a source for our conversation. Why say, and base the other question is, Why do we have to know that it's specifically that like you placed my hand on the object and said, this is the asset that you should take. Now, why these questions? Because Rashi's job is to explain the simplest understanding of the posik he's explaining. This is not the place to start explaining a, a posik in Tehillim. This is the place to explain Pashas Nitzavah. And what's this concept of place your hand? What's that got to do with anything? What does it add? So it's all very well to say that Rashi wants us to understand that a Vachar to is neither an instruction nor good advice, but instead it's showing us the path towards that life. But all of the detail leaves us with a number of questions. So Debir Bozeh, to answer those questions, we have to first get to the core of what bothered Rashi in the first place and compel them to explain of Achar at all. So the Kashev was Rashi kumt fine from Mitzayim the question Rashi addresses here is as follows. Der inin v'shteit do in posuk. The theme and message of this pasuk, which is, I'm giving you options. Life in the opposite. And then I'm telling you, and you should choose life that you and your children should sustain and survive. What is the pasuk that's going to follow, which is the how? That you should love Hashem, that you should listen to Hashem, because that is your life. All of that information, has already been quoted, and clearly in the Friedrich Psukim, in earlier Psukim, not far from this. How much clearer do you want than that? Hashem says, look, I'm giving you the options, good and life, or the opposite. And the simplest meaning of that pasuk is, then the one relies on the other. If you do the right thing, you'll have life. And the opposite will also be true. So we already know the information that the parish is telling us here. And then there, the Pasuk also went into the details that I'm instructing you to love Hashem. And then it says, As a result of that, you will live and you will you'll increase in number. And then the opposite theme, If you turn your heart, I warn you, the various things are going to happen. We have all of that information already. The choices, how you make the choices. That's what bothers Rashi. So why is the Pasuk saying all of that again? Therefore Rashi concludes, what this Pasuk is adding that we don't already know in all those other previous references to the choices between life and the opposite, that is all is all highlighted in these two words. Choose life. Because those are words we haven't seen before. We've seen that Hashem says there is the choice. Here we see Hashem telling us, make the choice. So what's unusual and insightful about that? So to explain that, Rashi gives us a parable. Like the father who says to his son, and he takes him and he places him in front of the great assets, and tells him, choose it for yourself. This parable shows us that 
that there's a scenario of us, that it is possible that you have actually shown him what the valuable assets that are worth having are, and still for you still have to say it, please choose it. That's my suggestion to you. Choose it, as we'll explain. That's what's happening over here in our context. Rashi's expression that Hashem is saying, I'm showing you that you should choose life as illustrated in our Pasuk. Is fits the part of the parable where after he's already shown the son where the good assets are, he still tells him to choose them. In other words, that means that in exactly like in the Mashal, earlier in the Torah, in earlier Psukim, we've already had the clarity of how it all works. If a person behaves well, they get life. Following that, there have to be the words, the verbal instruction, what you should do, choose life. Now, the fun was me gefind in Moshel. If you consider what we see in the Moshel, as nach demim in gita chelik yofa in sein nachle, that firstly you allocate, the father allocates him a good portion of the inheritance, and then daf menesh maimid sein achelik yofa. After the allocation, the next thing he has to do is he has to actually position him by that asset. Is moving as doretzach vegan as ein nachle. We must obviously then be talking about the kind of inheritance. Where it's not so simple to know just by looking at things externally or superficially, which is the good part. So in other words, maybe it's a piece of art and nobody, not everybody knows how to appreciate art. Maybe it's something that doesn't look like it's uh, as valuable as it really is. That's why in the parable, the person who's giving the inheritance has to take the individual and say, this is actually the good portion. You don't know about these things. You don't know how to, to, how to examine a gem or whatever it might be. Okay, so the Moshal is clearly talking about the type of valuables that don't appear automatically valuable to the untrained eye. And parenthetically, by the way, that would also explain why the parable is not just a person giving a gift to an individual, but rather, it's a father giving something to his son, not to his colleague, his friend, his, his, his uh, acquaintance. There's two factors to this. How does the recipient know that the person is actually giving him the best choice, the best assets. How does he know? So he's forbidden. It depends on two things. First, he has to know as First, he has to know that the person himself knows how to tell. In other words, whoever's going to give me this gift, or in this case, the inheritance, I need to know that they know how to assess if something is truly valuable or not. That's the first piece of information. And second of all, I have to know based on that the person giving this gift or the inheritance cares for my well-being. It's not out to trick me or, or, or cheat me. And it's obviously because I know absolutely that that person has my best interests at heart. That's how I know that when they say this is the best portion, it must be the best portion. And so that clarity in both sides that 
that person knows what they're talking about and that they have my best interests at heart, they're both expressed and highlighted in the two components of this parable. That the father tells his son, it's my portion. It's my assets that I know. I know them intimately. I spent time. I researched them. I found them. I traded them. Secondly, a gites livno, who's he giving it to his son? There's no question that if there's anybody in the world that a person wants to give the best to, it's his own son. So Rashi needed to clarify that for us, because it's relevant to how the parable will translate into our conversation. When we talk about what Hashem is offering us as the path to life. In order that it should be clear to us that there is a relationship between doing the good, which is to serve Hashem, and thereby getting chayim, getting life, which represents, of course, all the bracha that comes with life, that is uh, that the fact that they're completely interrelated. Even though that's not always apparent to the human eye. So like in the Moshe, we say the Jew has to contemplate two concepts, like the son has to acknowledge two facts about his father's gift to him. Firstly, to know that the entire world, all of creation is Eibishter's property. He is the creator and director of the world. Therefore, the Ebeshte is obviously the one who knows the ultimate path to life. Second of all, we're the Ebeshte's children. So obviously, the Ebeshte only wants the best for us, and therefore we can trust. When he says, go down that road to get life, that's the road to go. But as we've already discussed, and all those things, it's not always apparent that the path of Torah and Mitzvah is the path of goodness and life and brocha. Therefore, we have to trust the presenter of the gift, in this case, the Ebishter. Says Muvan, for that reason, it makes sense. That's why the giver, the Ebeshter, is not just going to be satisfied with the fact that he shows us what's right, what's good, what's valuable. No, he's he's got to encourage us, even after showing us. And he therefore repeats to us, we should make sure to take the good stuff. That's why in Rashi's Moshal, the father tells the child, please choose that for yourself. That's exactly how it plays out in our Pasuk. After the Abishad told us in previous parashiyos, Torah is good, mitzvahs are good, that's the path to life, that's going to bring you bracha. And the one depends on the other. The only way to get the bracha is by doing the good. That's the part where he puts us in line for the good stuff. We still need a push from on high. is the push. Choose life. That you will live. You and your children. 
That's the part where Abishta says, trust me and make the clever choice. Now, we can still query Rashi or query the whole Moshal. Because we say the parable doesn't exactly fit with what it is meant to represent. Because in Moshe fast statement with the zeros is there berlach avrikta from Ben. In the Moshal, we get it when the father says to his son, "Listen to me, trust me, choose this piece of of, of uh, this portion of assets." We get it; it makes sense. While Nosef if Denvos is retzach vegan azirus from the abegashmis benegah agnachle gashmis. First of all, we're talking about a human father and a physical asset. On the river, for which reason, even if the child can't work out based on his own insight that this is actually where the wealth lies. But at least he has a sense that his father knows what he's talking about because his father's a human like he is and the portion is physical like he would enjoy. If the child doesn't really have an insight into the true nature of his father's assets, to know which is the best part of their state, so he trusts his father. That's not going to work out exactly the same way in the application of Hashem and us. First of all, we cannot necessarily see that this is what's good for us. Very often what the Torah tells us, people shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know. I don't know that this is good for us. People don't always see that as you do mitzvahs, straight away you have all the good physical needs and brochas and life that you want. So, And maybe the person thinks, or maybe it's even true. That the life we're talking about is not physical life, but it's life in the next world. Sometimes you see the opposite. The child doesn't have this problem. The child doesn't look at the, the box filled with the whatever items, items it is and say, those are bad things. He just doesn't know how to value them. We look around the world and we say, the world's telling a story that's opposite to what you're promising me, God. We see that the path of the wicked is successful. says that the, the woman who is a, a, an inappropriate woman drips with honey. Her lips drip with honey. In other words, it's very attractive. The things that are not allowed are very attractive. Which means that we feel physical pleasures in a very tangible, real way. But what Shlomo Melech says that at the end, that same attractive element will become bitter as gall or as uh, lana, whatever, bitter roots. It's not an universal globe. That's something I believe. I don't know. Or maybe I understand intellectually, but I don't know it viscerally. And we can do zeros. So how does it help? That Abisha tells us via Moshe in the Torah, choose life, that that should be enough to convince a person to relinquish the pleasures and investment of physical things and instead adopt what the Torah considers to be good, Torah mitzvahs. It's not exactly like the marshal. The marshal, it's much more simple. Show me it's good, explain to me that it's good. I know that it's good. 
When the Abisha makes all these promises, I don't necessarily know that that's how it works. I don't see it. Therefore, if them is Rashi Mamshich, that's why Rashi has to add another layer to the conversation. Therefore, there has to be the Pasuk and Tilim that says, Deibishta is my portion. As Rashi explains, like you put my hand onto the good portion and said, This is what you need to take. In other words, This concept of Deibishta saying, Choose life. Is not just a statement. It has an impact. It supports our portion. It is like they're putting our hand onto a, an, an element and saying, "This is the good element." In other words, the shows us in physical terms the goodness of what he promises us to the point that we can actually see with our own eyes I call upon him as man at least sometimes that we actually see it we actually see it. somebody does something right and they actually get brochas for it just like you could actually put your hand onto something and feel it you can actually feel it with your hand that reinforces for us that doing the right things is the path of life, is the path of goodness. So occasionally you'll see a person does this and a miracle happens in their life or they give tzedakah and they get 10 times back or whatever the particular case is. It doesn't necessarily happen all the time, but from time to time, they just shows us these things. So we'll help drive the message home. Dermit, with that insight, we can detect a very nuanced shift in Rashi's language. In Moshal, when he gives the parable, that the father says to the son, says, choose that for yourself, because it's good. On a Nimshal, whereas when he translates it into the when he explains the Pasuk about what Hashem does for us, there Hashem says to us, he doesn't say choose it. He says, take this for yourself. What's the difference between saying, choose the good portion or take the good portion? In the marshal, the father's encouragement, after he already establishes for him what the good portion is, is nor it's only words. So he's saying, this is what you should do. Ultimately, the choice is the child's choice. Is he going to listen to his father or not? So therefore, the father says to him, make the right choice. He wants the child to choose what is indicated to the child is the better portion. But when you're talking about the Ebishter's words, choose life. Says Rashi, that's a, like a physical action. It's like putting our hand onto the item that we can feel it and see its value. That means the girl That means that our good portion has already been allocated and chosen. and connected to us, the individual Jews. It's given, it's allocated, all we're going to do is take it home. We don't have to make the decision, is it 
what I want or not, that decision is already made. Just take it. That's why Rashi says, the expression is, he placed my hand onto it, to say, take it. He didn't place my hand and say, he placed my hand to say, meaning the action is the message. Because the main thing is the placing of the hand, the making it tangible and real. And the message of this is what you should take, it's just a natural, it's a natural outcome. In other words, the father speaking to the son says to the son, now you've got to work out what to do next. The Yibashe empowering us is saying, here it is, now just take it. In dem shine anal in the shine rashi zechem rumas and inen in halocha. What's interesting about this is that these two words, choosing versus taking, actually have a legal implication. Before we can get to that legal implication, we're going to observe one other thing about Rashi. That's quite interesting. We switch from the word chelik, which is a portion, to goyrol, which is effectively something that you that you get in a, a, an irrational way, right? A goyrol is a lottery, which is effectively irrational. That hints to the fact that our choice to do the right thing, to follow the path of life, is similar to the allocation of a, an item or a portion through a raffle process. That would also help us to understand the distinction between how it's stated in the Moshal and in the Nimshal. Because that's the difference between a father telling and advising his child, choose this, and a girl compared to a lottery. Where the places my hand, like the Ebishah chooses that I win the lottery. So here's where it has a legal implication. What happens if you have partners who now want to split up the assets that they share using a lottery? There are a number of Rishonim who argue as the girl is that if they use a lottery, the lottery will only clarify who really deserves what. But, so let's say they, they pull in, let's say there's two partners and there's 10 assets. So they pull out, five go to you, five go to you based on a lottery. So the Rishonim say, it doesn't yet belong to you. Even though you've pulled the lottery, you actually have to make a formal Kenyan so that it becomes yours. Yet when they divided the land of Israel in the time of Yehoshua, which was also based on a lottery, as is described, that there was both the lottery system and there was the Urim Vatumim, which was of course a Ruach HaKodesh system, all Rishonim agree, Every person owned their portion of Israel just because of the lottery without having to make a formal Kenyan. And we'll see that reflected in our story. When it's the father telling his son, this is what you should have. Then what he's telling his child, this is the good portion, is just to clarify for him that it's the good portion. 
So therefore, and therefore he has to tell him, you've got to choose it for yourself. Basically, you've got to, you've got to take ownership. Mashenken in Nimshal, whereas in the application of the Moshal in how it refers to Hashem and us, is the Amir von Ebishner of Achauta Bechaim. When the Ebishner says choose life, that's not no Mevoridim Chelekachaim. That doesn't just tell us which way to go. Okay, I'm advising, go that way. The moment the Ebish just says, the path of goodness is already ours. All we have to do is follow it. As the words were in the Nimshal, that's like the Ebish just placing a hand already onto the asset and saying, take it. It is already yours. You don't need a Kenyan to formalize it. Now, all of this has a deep spiritual message as well. Expressed in the so-called wine element of depth that Rashi offers us in his explanations. The fact that we've now identified two elements of choosing a life. One is that there's a good portion and that is we have to choose. And then there's there's a good lot, which is that you get to take. They represent two ways that a Jew could reach the point of choosing a life which we're supposed to do. Einoifen is one possibility. That the person sits down and rationally works out that this is actually the best thing to do because the Ebeshter is infinite so whatever he offers me is obviously going to outlive whatever the world has to offer me, whatever the particular Cheshman is. When a person follows an intellectual process that brings them to the conclusion, I should do what Hashem wants, we call that a good portion. It's explained in various places that the concept of a chilek, of a portion, refers specifically to serving Hashem in a rational way. So when a person chooses to follow Terry Mitzvah based on that intellectual process, we call it clarifying and choosing. There are two options. They are both real options. Each one has something about it that is attractive that the other one doesn't have. Because if not for that, then there would be no choice. If it was obvious, then it's not a choice. So we now use our intellectual prowess to say, I'm choosing X and not Y, even though Y has certain advantages, which unfortunately I have to relinquish. That's one way. The Tzvet is the other way that we get to commit ourselves to Torah Mitzvahs. That's where we choose to do what Hashem wants, not because we calculated that it's in our best interests. But using a choice process that is super rational. In which case what we get is not called a good portion, but a good lot. As we well know, the concept of a lottery is not rational. It's beyond the intellect. If a person takes that approach, my dedication to my Yiddishkeit is not based on any intellectual understanding, it's just absolute. That is expressed not in choosing, in taking. 
Because the alternative doesn't exist. There is no possibility of choosing the other way. So my only avoid is now to take the path that I'm committed to. We'll understand it better based on what Chassidus explains as the concept that, and this is a, something Chassidus speaks about at length, the fact that bad people do well or generally the fact that that which is distant from godliness has vitality is that is all a result of a more abstracted, removed in a sense, higher level of godliness. And that's why it's just just flows. Makif, it doesn't get down into the details, deserve, don't deserve, how much it just gives on a without without calculation. Whereas any vitality that is shared with anything that is holy is fundam oripinimi, that comes from a very inner, deeper, consolidated, focused energy. Or bekeli dafka, the kind of energy that has to live in a structured environment. Which is why it has to be calibrated specifically. That's the greatness of Jews. And being Jewish. And that we choose to be connected to Hashem. Because in Kiddusha, we choose that we want to be involved in holiness, which means we're willing to give up all of that plentiful flow that the rest of the world seems to enjoy without any limits. That's how it is on the other side. And we prefer to choose a more limited flow that comes from a holy place than a greater flow that comes from an ugly place. How? How do we do that? Why do we do that? The two possible explanations. Out of one explanation is, I know that the Rishoyim are going to do so well, but only in the short term. And after then it's all going to disappear. Like Shlomo HaMelech says, it's all sweet in the beginning and bitter at the end. Whereas on the Edoch, on the other hand, maybe Tzadikim don't have such incredible success in the here and now, but in the long run, they're going to be overwhelmed with goodness. Kamaimer, like the famous Gemara with Rebekim and his friends, if the Romans who go against Hashem, have such great success and brocha, can you only imagine what is in store for those who fulfill Hashem's wishes? So this is the Bechir Al-Pitamadas. That's a logical choice to do what Hashem wants. And Machta Cheshben, person does a whole audit, and in his conclusion, that it's actually in my interest to serve Hashem and to do that which is holy. That is all of us in Marumas in Demeshtanim from Rashi. The first thing Rashi quotes, that you choose using your intellectual faculties the better option. But then there's another perspective completely based. It's not about it now, it's not about later, it's not about how much. The limited flow comes from holiness. That's what the Ebishter really cares about. That's what the Ebishter really wants. 
which is completely unlike whatever massive tsunami of goodness seems to flow in the direction of the Klippa world. It's like something you toss over your shoulder with complete disinterest. That's why the person chooses holiness. If I'm going to have energy flow that comes into my life and it comes from Hashem face to face with radiance and happiness, even if it's quantitatively less, it's absolutely valuable and precious to me. Far more precious than whatever the Kripa world may have to offer. That's not a rational conclusion to make this choice. That's something which is completely super rational. That is an indication of the fact that in his essence and core, the Jewish person only wants connection to Hashem because his neshama is a Goyrol, part of the lot of Hashem. On the is indemnified from so there's no room over here for <coughs> making a choice. Because from this perspective, from that vantage point of the depth of the neshama, anything that is not godliness doesn't even enter the equation. Not the girl hatoiv kachlecha. There's only one thing to take. Take it. Connection to God. As a zodas bechin as girl as erzol das bechin as girl arab trugnen apnimius, which basically means to take this very deep seated but abstract level of being one with Hashem's essence and make it real to myself. Biz machshava dibur or ma'ase to translate it in how I think and how I speak and how I behave. Afu bechin shleitim posuk. What does the Pasuk say? The Pasuk says you've got choices. There's life for the opposite. The Pasuk clearly is talking about the first lower approach where you've got to choose which way you're going to go. So you're going to choose life, you're going to choose the other thing. And that's also something Rashi illustrates to us by saying the al it's about this that the Pasuk and Tilim says that the principle of Hashem giving us that clarity where there's only one thing to take says no Rashi is alluding to the fact that also incorporates within it the, the option where there are no options where you just take what is yours which, as Rashi explains to us, is only rarely expounded in Tehillim. It's not clear in our Pasuk. What's clear in our Pasuk is, But embedded within is the next level, the higher level. Now, how does that work? The explanation is this. That principle that Hashem says, I'm giving you options and now choose the healthy option. Is an the idea that a person actually makes a personal free choice to do the right thing and to choose life. The two facets to that. If I go right to the core 
of why would a Jew choose to connect to Hashem? The core reason why a Jew chooses God is because the essence of the Jew is godly. One with Hashem's essence. And the when you're at that deep, deep, high level, then the freedom of choice is not classical choice. Classical choice is there really are two options. And I really have to call on the power of choice to select one. When I'm talking about the essence of the neshama that intersects with the essence of God, there the freedom of choice meant as the bechir of iskashos von Eden in the course is nit mitzad That means that I'm at a point where I've chosen God without any external influence or pressure. I'm free of influence. What's done is, and that means Aleph discussions. If what's done is Aleph discussion with Agbola, because if there was some kind of external pressure, then my connection to Hashem would have its limitations. If we had time, I might depending on what the external pressure or external uh, compulsion was. And if I ever make a choice because there's something that's influencing my choice, it's not a free choice. Because if it makes sense or there's a great advantage to a particular thing, well, then it's not a choice. Then it's sold itself. We are describing over here that at the core and essence of the neshama, this is everything about what the essence of the neshama is and therefore wants. And therefore, because the neshama is not making this choice based on some particular attraction, well, then nothing outside of godliness plays a part in this choice. Because this is a part of me that's not open to what you're going to try to sell me. So if the world is going to try to sell me something different to Elikos, this is a part of me that's not open to salespeople. So it's an absolutely free choice based on the essence of who I am. And therefore, nothing in the world can convince me otherwise. And nothing in the world is convincing me to do this. It is me. I'm not being told to choose. Then there's the next level base. The Gilui von de Bechir in Elikos is in Seichel Ha'odam. That's how things operate at the depth of the Neshama. But then it translates into the conscious intellectual experience of the human being in human form. How can you tell that somebody has chosen to connect to Hashem using free choice? You can only tell, you can only identify it, you can only see it. When he's living in an environment that offers an alternative. So the essence of the neshama doesn't need the challenge of an alternative to make an absolute choice that I want to connect to Hashem. But how do I know when I observe the Jewish person, how do I know that he's actually chosen God? Well, when there's a challenge, when there's an alternative. And then in spite of the alternative and, and as attractive as it looks, he still chooses life. On that dilemma and the resolution of that dilemma only happens in the human mind. Because only the human mind is able to identify the potential advantage of either side of the choice. 
and nevertheless come to choose life. Und der Pfarrer wird gesagt im Pasuk, that's why the Pasuk specifies there are choices of life or the opposite and you choose life. Because the Pasuk is describing how you actually serve Hashem in real life. In real life you have to engage your mind. And when you engage your mind there are choices and you have to make the right choice. No, Rashi, but Rashi in his brilliance, which also incorporates the deepest parts of Torah, is He illustrates to us that within those words of which you could have read so superficially as make the right choice, embedded in that is something far deeper. There's this absolute commitment to what is right. Illustrated by literally having your hand on the asset and knowing this is what you should take. <laughs> Rashi is illustrating the pasuk that speaks about the real life dilemma and resolution of the dilemma of what to choose is actually just a manifestation of a far deeper connection of the neshama beyond what is described in this Pasuk, but is alluded to in the Pasuk in Telem. That's the real driver for that choice. The girl dimension of the soul, that has absolute connection to Hashem and therefore absolute choice in Hashem. Which completely rejects not only the choice of, but even the option of the opposite. Leaving a person just with the simple um, need to take what is available to them. Now we understand why this is the issue that would be discussed in Parashas Nitzavim. A parasha that always immediately precedes Rosh Hashanah, and considering that everything always follows and is consolidated by its conclusion, is moving as the Shaykhus from Parshas Nitzavim to Rosh Hashanah, that helps us to understand that the link between Parshas Nitzavim and Rosh Hashanah is neat nor in Ascholas Parsha. It's not only the first part of the Parsha we always talk about, which is clearly related to Rosh Hashanah. Atem Nitzavim Hayoyim Goyim, that you stand this day, this day referring to Rosh Hashanah, Noich in Sima Parsha, but it's also at the end of the Parsha too. Why? Because what is Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah is this man, Vemiz Ma'ira de Mebishan Bechazandidin. Rosh Hashanah is the time that we, so to speak, stimulate or rouse from Hashem to choose us as His special people. Like we say in Kapitel Mem Zayin, just before we blow the shofar, Hashem, choose for us, choose us as your portion, as your inheritance, the greatness of Yaakov that you have always loved. And Abish's potential choice of us reflects the two possibilities of choice that we have to do Torah Mitzvahs. The real core and root and cause of the Ebishter choosing us is because we have this intersection between our essence and his essence and there is no option. From that perspective, it's impossible to switch us out for another nation. 
says Yisrael um Malka Bilchoi Doi. We're absolutely one with the king. There's no room for anybody else to even feature. That's the core of what's driving Rosh Hashanah. And how do we see it in real terms, in real life? Is in an oifen fun v'yisim v'skula mikol ho'amim goimer. Is an eibesha telling us that we'll be his treasure from all the other nations, implying sezayin do'achayimimochem that there are other nations that exist. Ufund esvegan heim beinai v'lefaneli chlum, and yet to me they're meaningless. Overmedis chipaschem nikeres, which helps us to see how beloved we are to Hashem. So just like. Until the, the, the dilemma, it, 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 until the dilemma exists in our life, we don't know how deep our neshama goes in its connection to Hashem. Until the possibility of other nations exists in our world, we don't know how deep Hashem's love goes for us in choosing us to be His people. Navi Baldas Hashanah explains at length that the whole purpose and concept of Rosh Hashanah is that everything restores to its default pre-creation state. Everything has to be regenerated from its absolute source because nothing exists for that moment as Hashanah comes in. Everything's got to be reignited from the source, which means that Hashem choosing us has to be re-stimulated from Hashem's essence. And, and that is achieved not in a vacuum. When Hashem created the world originally, things just happened because He said so. But now every Yon Rosh Hashanah, he places the ball in our court and says, you have to do your avoida and you have to choose life. And your choice of life shouldn't only be rational. But it should be a reflection of and an expression of the essence of your soul. When we illustrate openly that we have chosen Hashem as our God, that reveals how Hashem has chosen us as His chosen people. That should be revealed down in the practical world of in goodness that can be seen and that is revealed to all of us. And uh, only good.